You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. fast-paced world. In fact, it's going by very, very fast. We usually don't have time to wait for anything or anybody. We are an impatient people. But when I look at these scriptures, that it tells us that waiting upon the Lord brings certain benefits. It brings certain things into our lives that will help us as we wait. We see in these scriptures that if we wait upon the Lord, number one, we're going to have strength of heart. Our heart will be strong. We're going to have a renewed strength. And we're even going to have new abilities. In this fast-paced world, we are always rushing to complete tasks. However, there are times when we make poor decisions. Today, Pastor Dave discusses how you can always wait on God. When you seek God's approval before making a decision, He leads you down the right path and assists you in making the best decision. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 10 as he begins his message, When God's Timing is Perfect. beginning in Acts 10, verse 17. Now, while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down, and go with them, doubting nothing." for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has good reputation among all the nations of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and hear the words from you. Then he, that's Peter, invited them in and lodged them. On the next day, Peter went away with them, and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. So I came across a new book, a new book that it looks pretty interesting. I have not read it. I have read the introduction, and I'm going to read some of the introduction to you. But the new book, name of the new book is, God is never late. He's seldom early. He's always right on time. Pretty interesting book. It's by Stan Toller. And this is the introduction that Stan Toller writes, and I want to read that to you. Quote, give me patience, God, but hurry. When we're waiting on God to answer prayer or explain a vision, our timing and his timing are rarely the same. Sometimes it seems like God is in a different time zone altogether. We sometimes feel like we picked one of those numbers in the Bureau of Motor Vehicles line, and there are 78 others ahead of us. But we need God to wait on us right away. This book is about trusting God, even when it seems he's running late. It's about God's perfect control over the times and events of our lives, and about his perfect power to order those events in a loving and meaningful way. Despite our anxiousness, impatience, and worry, even doubt, God is faithful to work in our lives at just the right time. He'll never be 
Sounds like a pretty good book. I'm probably going to get it and read it. Well, that leads us right into our study, because as we pick up today's study, we're picking up right where we left off last week. Peter is still on the rooftop. Peter is still on the rooftop where he had this vision of the Lord. He's standing on the rooftop of Simon the Tanner. And on the rooftop, he was praying. Remember? He was praying, and the Lord had given him a vision. And now with that vision in his mind, Peter is trying to make sense out of it. He's trying to see what that vision is all about. He's standing on the rooftop. He's musing over what he had been shown. In other words, he's meditating on it with wonder, wondering what does this mean? Was it from the Lord or was it the pepperoni I had last night? What what, what was this vision all about? Where did this vision come from? He He was looking and he was searching. One thing we see here is Peter's waiting upon the Lord to show him the meaning of this vision. He's waiting upon the Lord to show him and confirm this vision to him. The psalmist in Psalm 27, verse 14, writes these beautiful words. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And you all know that beautiful verse in Isaiah 40, verse 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You know, we live in a really fast-paced world. In fact, It's going by very, very fast. We usually don't have time to wait for anything or anybody. We are an impatient people. But when I look at these scriptures, it tells us that waiting upon the Lord brings certain benefits. It brings certain things into our lives that will help us as we wait. We see in these scriptures that if we wait upon the Lord, number one, we're going to have strength of heart. Our heart will be strong. We're going to have a renewed strength. And we're even going to have new abilities. We're going to run and not be weary. We're not going to be faintful. We're not going to be bogged down by the world. It's important to wait upon the Lord. It's important to spend time waiting on Him in silence. And you know what? We don't like silence. We don't like silence. And to wait upon the Lord, we need to be quiet and sit before Him. It says, be still and know that I am God. Remember what Jesus told His disciples? He said, follow me. We're to follow the Lord's guidance. But in order to get that guidance, we have to wait for it. We've got to wait for the guidance to come from the Lord. Too many times we pray and we bolt. Before we even get an answer, Lord, I know you want to do this. Bam, we're out the door. And we're doing all kinds of things. We just go out. We don't wait for the Lord for clarification. We don't wait for the Lord for confirmation. And then we wonder, how did I get in this mess? It's because we didn't wait on the Lord. We went out on our own strength. Our strength wasn't renewed because we didn't wait on the Lord. Our strength wasn't fortified because we didn't wait on the Lord. We weren't given the power to go out and do what the Lord has called us to do because we're working in our own strength. And you can work in your own strength all you want, and I can guarantee you'll get tired. But when you work in the Lord's strength, you will never tire. There's no such thing as burnout when you're working in the Lord's strength. When you're working in His power, it doesn't exist. Peter was on the rooftop waiting upon the Lord. He was wanting him to confirm what he had seen. Confirm it, Lord. He was waiting on him. You know, the vision and the voice had already confirmed a couple things to Peter. Number one, that a prejudice existed in Peter's heart. Peter probably wasn't aware that that prejudice was there. But the prejudice existed in Peter's heart, and that's what the vision showed him. There was a prejudice there. 
The Lord was calling Peter into a deeper place, a deeper relationship with him. He was trying to widen Peter's horizon, widen Peter's thinking. He was trying to get Peter to be drawn in to what the Lord wanted to do. Did you ever see a rubber band? When you have a rubber band, it's like this. It doesn't do anything, does it? When is a rubber band most useful? When you stretch it. A rubber band is most useful when you stretch it. That's when the rubber band becomes most useful. The Lord was stretching Peter like a rubber band. He was stretching him because he wanted to show him something new. He wanted to show him something different. The Lord was stretching him, stretching his thinking. He said, I have a new distinction that I want to show you, Peter. R. Kent Hughes said this, God used the vision to bring a radical change in the attitude of the leading apostle of the early church. And it's a good thing he did. Otherwise, Christianity would have been reduced to a narrow sect of Judaism, and you and I would have never heard the good news. Those whom you reject and scorn will also be excluded from Christ. Are you rejecting and scorning others? Or do you meet people with respect without prejudice? If you reject and scorn, does this keep those people from being into the kingdom? Are you the only Christ that they ever see and they reject Christianity because of your actions? Because you've scorned them and you've treated them poorly? You're probably familiar with Mahatma Gandhi. Probably familiar with him. In his autobiography, he writes something very, very interesting, extremely interesting. He was a student in England and he was studying and he was deeply moved and he was deeply touched by, of all things, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he actually considered becoming a convert to Christianity. This is his autobiography I'm talking about, that he says this himself. He he thought that Christianity was going to offer a real solution to the caste system that India had, the caste system that existed between the, the very, very poor and the very, very rich, the ones of one color and the ones of a different color. There was a caste system in India. It exists today. Gandhi thought, I want to go to church. I want to go to church and I want to talk to a pastor. Maybe that pastor will enlighten me. Maybe that pastor will will show me the way to salvation and show me doctrine to support that. I mean, he was really seeking. So Sunday he said, I'm going to go to church. And he got up and he went in and he walked through the door. And before he could get to the sanctuary, an usher came up to him and refused to give him a seat. The usher said, you should go elsewhere where you worship with your own people. He left. And guess what? Never came back. This is a quote in his book. If Christians have a caste difference also, I might as well remain a Hindu. I said that old saying, they may be the only Christ you see. What do people see when they look at you? What do people see when they look at you, when you speak, when you open your mouth, when you greet them? What do they see? What is being demonstrated in your life that would pull them towards Jesus Christ? How do you treat others? Do you treat them with respect or do you treat them with prejudice? Having a prejudicial mind, a mindset already stated that you might not be reaching out to that person. Do you treat the unsaved as possible saints? Or you treat them as unclean, the way Peter did at one time. Everybody out there who's unsaved is a possible saint, just like you and I were before we became saved. Are there prejudices in your life today? Peter's attitude that night was suffering from two things, two things. Number one, he had an unfortunate prejudice, and he was resistant to the change that the Lord wanted to bring into the world, a change that the Lord himself wanted to dictate in. Peter was resistant to this. Are you resisting the changes that the Lord wants to do in your life today? 
Are there changes that the Lord has pointed out to you and says, I want to change these, and are you resisting them? If you are, you're just like Peter. You're just like Peter. And just like Peter, the Lord is calling you into a deeper place. He's calling you into a deeper commitment, a deeper religion, a deeper place to come. He's calling you to get close to him. He wants to show you a new distinction. And as we open in verse 17, it says, Now while Peter wondered within himself what the vision meant, Behold, the men who had been sent by Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. So we find Peter on the rooftop musing and meditating over this vision the Lord had given him. And through the actions that Peter does following this, we can come up with some examples that we can try to follow to help us when we hear from the Lord or we see something that we want to explain it. How do we explain these things that we hear? Is it from the Lord? How do we know? Those kind of things. The first thing I already mentioned Wait on the Lord. We must wait on the Lord. I'm one of the most impatient people at times. And I'll never forget the last book I read. The last book I read in, a couple of years ago, I'm reading other books now, but the last book I read was God is Not in a Hurry. It was a magnificent book. And I read that. I kept on reading it. I said, what's this written from me? Did you write this with me in mind? What is this? You know, God is not in a hurry. I loved it. His timing is perfect. God's timing is perfect. And we can't push God along. We can't push God to do the things we want to do at the time we want to do them. God's timing is perfect, and his timing will be fulfilled. I believe that one of the reasons that things don't move faster is that the Lord must prepare our hearts. He must prepare our minds to receive what he's doing. Because of our resistance to what he's doing in our lives, he has to take time to prepare us and to get us ready to see that vision and to grasp that vision. And it takes time. I think the Lord's always ready to move. It's us. It's us that are not ready to move. Sometimes the Lord, like he did with Peter, has to change our thinking. He has to change our attitudes, and he has to break down our resistance to what he's trying to do in our life. Remember the message we did, Lord, you want me to do what? He has to break down resistance. Yes, this is what I want you to do. This is what I've called you to do. So as I said, waiting is extremely important. So that would be the first thing. The second thing I see is meditation. Peter spent time meditating over the meaning of the vision. In order for the Lord to speak to our hearts, we must first spend time with him in his word, and we must meditate upon his word and allow it to wash us with the truth, allow it to do what it's supposed to do, and that takes meditation. That means sitting quietly before God with the word in our hands. So many times we do our penance. I read three chapters today. What did it take you, two seconds? I'm a speed reader. Instead of sitting before the Lord. I realize we live busy schedules. I'm not saying that. I realize that. Look what the psalmist says in Psalm 1, verse 2. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. You see, the delight of the God's man is the law of the Lord. And in other words, the man of God finds joy in the word of God. The man of God finds joy in the word of God. You want to be used by God? Find delight in his word. Find delight in his word. The man of God only delights in it, but he meditates upon it day and night. Hmm. I've got a great picture of meditation. Great picture of meditation. You ever seen a cow chewing his cud? Meditation has been likened to that. 
Meditation has been likened to a cow chewing its cud because they have several compartments and they seem to be able to move food around anywhere they want to. You know? And in the morning, they're out there gobbling up the grass because it's nice and moist and tasty and they're having a great time and they're gobbling up the grass. Then they get full and the hot sun comes and they mosey over the tree and they plop themselves under the tree and all of a sudden, rip, they bring that back up. They start to chew it and grind it and get it all nice, and they just do that for hours upon hours upon hours. This is how we're supposed to treat the Word of God. This is how we treat the Word of God, chewing it bit by bit, slowly, little pieces, little segments. We chew it, digest it into our system. The Word of God is manna from heaven. The Word of God is God's Word. It's given to us for a reason, that we would delight in it and meditate it day and night. We chew on it, and it comforts us. It does the work it's supposed to do with us. We allow it to get deep roots. We take every morsel we can, and we swallow it, and we allow it to get deep roots into our heart, and then it blossom. We allow the Word of God to change our lives. You know, God's Word is like a mirror. And when I look into God's Word, I see myself as I really am. I see myself as I'm what I'm supposed to be. There's no plan. There's no program by which you can grow better or develop as a Christian than reading God's Word. There is absolutely no plan. Paul said it quite clear in Romans 10, 17. Now, faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. You will grow solely by meditating on the Word of God, going over it and over it again and again until God's Word becomes part of your life. No, 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 until God's Word becomes your life. Not part of your life. It becomes your life. We see Peter waiting upon the Lord. We see him meditating on his word and, and sitting there and allowing the Lord to speak to him. But there's another example, and it's not such a great example, but we should be encouraged by this. Peter doubted. Can you imagine that, doubting God's word? I'm sure none of you ever doubted God's word. I seem to doubt God's word from time to time. But this is another example we find Peter is, is doubtful. Here's the person who Jesus gave the keys of the kingdom, and he's doubting God. The word used here for wondered within himself, that phrase there in the Greek is diaorejo, diaorejo, which means to doubt or to be perplexed. The apostle Peter is struggling with something that the Lord had said to him, something that the Lord had shown him in his words. He's struggling with it. He's doubtful. Are you ever doubtful of what God gives you? Are you ever doubtful about what you read? I want to be sure about what I read. I want to be sure that it's the Lord talking to me. I want to be assured. I want confirmation that it's the Lord talking to me. And I'm following the Lord. I'm not following myself or following some other man. The Lord does a major transition in Peter's thinking. And Peter was trying to allow it to happen and to make application of this. But Peter was unsure. Wow, we should be encouraged by this. This should give us real cause for encouragement because we're not the only ones. Some of you called me, and I've talked to you on the phone, and you say, man, I really have a trouble understanding God's word. Well, join the club. Sometimes his word is very difficult to understand, and we have to chew on it and meditate it. And let it deeply, richly grow in us, and deeply, richly be involved in us, and let the Holy Spirit speak to us about it. Peter is unsure. But you know what I like about God? God never gives us things all at once. He doesn't say, now I want you to go down the block, turn the corner, go to this person's, knock on the door. I want you, you know, he doesn't give us those kind of explanations. All through scriptures, he never gave those explanations. He just gives us little things by degrees. Do this, do this, 
do this, do that, do this. It's scriptural. I can prove it to you. Genesis 12, the Lord spoke to Abram. He says, now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. The Lord said, go to a land that I will show you. Just go. And as you go, I will lead you and I will guide you to that place. The Lord himself would be Abram's guide. The Lord himself showed Abram where to walk, where to step. Peter had a guide too. We have a guide also. It's called the Holy Spirit, folks. And in John 16, verses 13 to 15, Jesus explained to his disciples at the time, however, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you of things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine, therefore, I said, he will take of mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit. If Peter was willing, the Holy Spirit would show him what the vision meant, how to apply it, and how to serve the Lord. So many times we're stumped by the meaning of Scripture. We're stumped by what the Lord is timing and what the Lord is doing. When's this going to happen? When's that going to happen? When can I expect this? Lord, are you really calling me? Is it really your voice, Lord? And we get all confused. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Give the Holy Spirit access to your life and allow the Holy Spirit, allow Him to guide you, to lead you into that truth, to open up the Scriptures like they've never been opened before, to show you all things. Open up your heart to Him and give Him total access, allowing Him to be your guide. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Now, Peter had been taught by the rabbis. He's been taught by the Pharisees and other religious leaders that God had made a distinction between clean and unclean. Peter had been taught that there was unclean food and unclean people or unclean nations. But now God was making a transition, and the new covenant was in effect. He sent his Holy Spirit to lead his people into all truth. He sent his Holy Spirit to conform people into the image of Jesus. He sent his Holy Spirit to empower believers like you and me to be witnesses for Jesus Christ wherever we went. And he was removing the distinction between clean and unclean. The distinction that would say, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. No longer was it available just to Jews. Was it available to all? Traditions are hard to break. Traditions bog us down. They're hard to break. We talked about religion before. What are the old habits that you might be holding on to? What transition is God leading you to? What transition is God saying, drop your old thoughts, drop, stop being resistant to my word, and move forward into what I want to show you, a glorious time. Is this transition causing you to doubt? That's okay. It's okay. Just be still, know that he is God, and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. Allow the Lord to wash you with the water of the Word and help you make the application. Hold on tight to the Holy Spirit. Let Him be your guide. Let go and let God, remember? God has everything under control, and His timing is extremely perfect. He's extremely perfect. Peter waited upon the Lord. You are Thank you for joining us here today on A Sure Hope. In this series, Pastor Dave has been teaching through the book of Acts. This book follows the journeys of many disciples, but especially of the Apostle Paul. He took several missionary trips to tell others about Jesus, and he acquired many companions along the way. Wouldn't it be interesting to be a traveling missionary? 
he met many people who readily accepted the message he was bringing. In other cities, his life was threatened and he was pushed out as people didn't want to hear about the way. But being a Christian isn't meant to just be an easy road. As Paul's life displayed, you go into it knowing that there will be obstacles that you face. Is it worth it, you might ask? Of course it is. The prize that you'll be rewarded is far more precious than the things of this world. Staying true to Jesus, who gave up everything for you, is the best way you can live your life for Him. We're so glad we got to spend time with you today. A Sure Hope is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Cape May, in Cape May, New Jersey. If you're in the area, we'd love to see you on Sunday mornings. Check out AsureHopeRadio.com for service times and directions. Once again, that's AsureHopeRadio.com. And don't worry if you can't make it in person. On the website, you'll notice links to our live stream via Facebook and YouTube. All of these can be accessed through AsureHopeRadio.com. Don't forget to come back next time as Pastor Dave continues to go through the book of Acts again, right here on Assure Hope. Show. Sure.